welcome back to another episode of Better Real Estate. I'm Dora and he's Greg. I am. Today we're going to be talking about house flipping. We've all heard about it, we've seen the shows and most of us know someone who's done it with success or with a catastrophe. A bit of disaster, lost yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, a little bit of a yeah. catastrophic situation. Got any uh, anecdotes? I I don't, to be honest. I I know I know of one success story, but it was it was hard yards doing it for these people. My actually next door neighbours. Yeah, bought a house, got a at a super price. She was a bit of a wheeler dealer, and you know the gift of the gab, and got the house at the right price. Went all in, spent like six hundred thousand dollars, knocked off the back of the house, massive landscaping, did it all up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Eighteen months later, sold it. And, 1.7 or something like that. So they made a few hundred thousand dollars in 18 months, but it was hard yards. They were living there for a while and they ran out of money, so I had to borrow extra Ooh. money off friends and, you know, it, it wasn't all plain sailing like you see on the TV shows, you know what I mean? No, but I guess the uh, the good news is that they actually made some money at the end of it. They did, they did. Okay, let's get stuck into how house flipping actually works. We're going to be talking to a professional a little later who's going to give us the insights scoop on what it's like to renovate and sell houses and actually make it. Make a living from it. Yeah, make a living from it. In theory, you buy a home, you renovate it, you sell it again for a higher price. Too easy. Yeah, it's simple on paper, but it's not always that easy, is it, Greg? Oh, no. There are a few things you're going to need to consider. There sure are. I mean, got to know your market. I reckon that's key. More than any knowledge of uh, building or decorating or renovating or anything like that, you've got to know the market you're working in. So you're talking about the market that you're actually going to buy in, as in what the property market is doing at any one time? Well, and even even more than that, what's selling? You so know, what, like yeah. where, how you're going to get to uh, the selling point. To, to where where it is you're going to make your money that and then that dictates how much you spend in between what you've got to play with and and what you're going to hopefully make on the on the on the whole business and I suppose you also have to know who you're renovating for so who is your end buyer I yep, think that's really exactly. important isn't it I guess location comes into all of that well you can buy in an up and coming area where you don't have to shell out a lot of money to get on the ladder and you know not spend a huge amount of money or make it the fanciest finishes or anything like that and still make a p- good percentage on the money you've outlaid absolutely so you're sort of talking about more cosmetic changes as opposed to go- doing full scale renos yeah, which are yeah. Cost, and that's cost and, the that, earth. and that's if someone's looking to get into it it's probably a great place to start so you're not you're not over committing yourself or getting lost in a big build where you have to deal with a lot of tradesmen and so on, just something a bit more manageable. Yeah, no, that sounds like really good advice. I'm coming to you for my first house flip. Um, It can be really risky though, can't it, because the market can change. Well, yeah, we've seen that in the last couple of years, you know, what's hot and then is is suddenly not. And, you know, if if, say if you bought a house to flip, you know, when it was going gangbusters, then – you know, you could have lost a bit too. Yeah, you might be stuck sitting on what I guess in some terms might be thought of as a bit of a lemon, but well, the reality is it's you just have to have the um, financial resources, I guess, to wait out the market if or, that's the case or rent it perhaps. Yeah, have a plan B, rent it out, yeah. cover your costs and yeah. just ride the waves. So we thought we'd talk to someone who's in the game and they can give us their advice as to how to best flip a house. 
Now we're going to be talking with Station Atapalil of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate to get his top tips for flipping a property. Station, hello and welcome. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Well, we're so excited to chat with you today because I think you might have some insider info that's particularly relevant to those who dream about owning their own home, but also who dream of buying a property to fix it up and sell it for profit. And there are lots of TV shows on TV that deal with just that. But do you come across a lot of potential house flippers? Oh, look, yeah, generally, definitely I have um, over my career and more so now more than ever, um, especially on the older properties with bigger blocks and, you know, putting granny flats on and things like that. So what's the first thing people should actually think about if they want to flip a property? Look, I think it comes down to two things. Like one is, is it more like doing your market research, but also the cash flow situation. So, I mean, look, you look at what they want to achieve out of it. Is it like a love project or is it certain profit to achieve a certain outcome? So when you say market research, what kind of market research should they be doing? I look, generally, I think they should look at what the area is doing, what infrastructure is coming up instead of in terms of bus stops, train stations, um, how many properties actually selling in the suburb, how many is for sale and list to sell ratio on that. And also the demand for properties is a big thing. Okay. So in your opinion, what type of properties are best? Is an apartment just as good as a house when it comes to property flipping or doesn't it matter or what What do you think? Look, to be honest with you, I really always think um, house because, I mean, you're, you're on a Torrance title property. There's a lot more you can do with a house um, and a block of a land rather than apartments are generally strata titled, they're in a complex, they've got common areas. So bylaws and things restrict you from doing a lot there. Um, there's still profit in definitely flipping apartments. I just think your safer bet is a house, a Torrance title property. So if you didn't have a lot of money and you were going to buy an apartment for flipping, what should you be looking for in that apartment? Well, I mean, again, in that apartment, generally you go for, if you're looking for flipping, you would be looking at an older style apartment, but also somewhere where the outside of the apartments, so the actual complex, looks quite presentable. Ah, that's interesting. Just as much as it's important for a house to have good curb appeal, it's important for the apartment block to have good curb appeal as well. Definitely, because, I mean, if you're going to the apartment block and there's cars parked everywhere, trailers dumped, rubbish dumped and things like that, it's never going to lift your retail quite higher than, than what you wanted to achieve from the apartment that you've renovated. Okay, so if you've got your finances sorted, you've researched the area, what questions, if I was going to be buying, should I be asking my agent? It's going to depend on whether you're set on the apartment or you're set on the house, right? So if you're set on the house, I mean, you'd be looking at you know, generally people that I experience that have flipped houses will look for a brick home rather than a fibre or a cladding. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people like to render the property to make it look very little. Definitely get your pest and building inspections done. Uh, asking the agent, you know, any history of termite, any, you know, new development coming up in the area. I mean, the neighbours got any proposals on with council to build granny flats and things like that. Um, but I think location is going to play a huge part of it all. So when it comes to the time frame, do you need to flip a property fairly quickly to make money or doesn't it matter? Well, I mean, look, it depends on your goals. Property appreciates over time, but when you need to factor in cost of maintenance, ongoing costs, retaining the property, and how soon you personally need your return. Well, I mean, we can't predict the market 
how it will move over the six to 12 months time. But at the start of January this year, we were, we all thought the market was improving, which clearly is and was. Um, and now all of a sudden things have changed a little bit. So it's just, yeah, it really depends on how long you can hold it. I mean, flipping quicker generally you're in your market and you know what's going on within the six-month time frame. But again, everything changes. As sure as night is day can change. So in your opinion, is it better to stick with the one agent the whole way through so you buy and then you sell with the same agent? Or Look, I always recommend going with the same agent, especially if they've been through the process and they understand your goals because uh, they know the property inside and out. They've seen the work to so get them to come through as work's getting done as well, which I've done for quite a few of my uh, clients. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's also a personal decision based on your relationship with that agent. Okay. So if I was to ask you what your top house flipping tip is, what would that be? I think think about and plan your profit margin carefully. So that means really doing your homework. Station, what do you see people doing to their properties when they're wanting to house flip? What, what do they do mainly? Okay. So look, in my experience, generally it's always flooring, painting, definitely street appeal on a property. Generally, they'll spray the roof a certain color. But more now than ever before, I'm seeing a lot of people put granny flats. Yes, yes, because it's also an extra income stream or, you you know, a family member can go and live in the um, granny flat. And, yeah, so it's it's a... It's a really good ROI, isn't it? A good return on investment. Definitely. I've also heard it said that um, you'll make money on the buy, not the sell. Can you actually explain that for us? I'm not quite sure what that actually means. Generally, I mean, depending on the market you're buying in and the less competition, the better, right? The cheaper you can get that property for, that's initially where you're going to start always. So... The, I mean, if you're buying it, say for four, five, say four hundred fifty thousand, and then you're spending a hundred, and then generally, you know, you're ending up at six hundred fifty thousand, seven hundred thousand as a resale, you will still make money, obviously, on the sell. But it always comes back down to what you initially purchased it for. So you really want to buy well. You want to buy at the lower end of the market if you possibly can. Otherwise, it's going to throw out all your budget. Correct. Okay, so that's where your market research really does come into play as well and what kind of um, financial implications there are for you. Correct. Okay, thank you so much for all of that session. That was really good info. Now, before you go, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. No worries at all. So I'm Station from Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate at the Ponds. You can contact us at 9836 5942 or via the website, which is bhgre.com.au forward slash the ponds. Well, we'd like to welcome to the show Australia's renovation queen, Cherie Barber. Hello and thanks for joining us, Cherie. Great to be here. Cherie, you've been renovating houses for profit now for over 25 years, way before it was really cool. So I think you're going to have some great tips to share with us, aren't you? So actually, I've been renovating for almost 30 years, so I'm showing my age there, aren't I? I'm going to tell you my age. I'm almost 50. I was born in 1970. It's the most Google thing on me on the internet, believe it or not. That's wow. A, that's a great year to be born. <laughs> it was. True. Uh, so yeah, I started renovating when I was 21 in 1991. So yeah, very early adopter. 
know, fast forward now, not, what, 29 years? I've now just finished project number 124. So you obviously wow. learn a lot over the course yeah. of renovating 124 so, different properties. So that's buying and selling 124 or uh, do you keep buying some? Buying and selling, buying and renting, uh-huh. um, renting them out. So nowadays, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, I've mainly been holding everything. So I had to sort of evolve to that level. So if people, if you were to um, tell people the one thing they should really consider before they decide to flip a house, what would that be? I hate to say it because I'm an educator, but education is so important. And I I don't care if it's, you know, through courses like myself or, you know, people get on the internet and start Googling stuff for free. Mm -hmm. I I really don't care what sort of education it is, but you do have to educate yourself. It's so important. You know, as Australians, you have two types of renovations. You have a cosmetic renovation, you have a structural. Do you need to educate yourself on structurals? Absolutely. You know, because big money's involved, you know, structurals work in certain areas where property prices are a lot higher um, and, you know, then to go through the whole construction and building process, a lot of the mistakes can be made. But the biggest thing is a lot of Australians think cosmetic renovations, they don't need to educate themselves. So a lot of people watch the renovation shows and they see people, you know, um, whack paint on walls and, and you know, stick nice designer stuff in. And that's p- only part of the equation of renovating. So what's more important is, so a lot of people get focused on the property and the transformation, and it's such a small piece of the puzzle, it's not funny. So what a lot of people don't do is they don't get their strategy right first. So a lot of people just buy property on a whim or what feels good or what feels right at the time um, or what they believe is a good deal at the time, and that's not really truly how you should approach your projects. So when you talk about strategy, yeah. what strategies should you have? So you've got to have your strategy right. So one of the very first steps that people should start um, start in their renovation journey is not about what paint colours you should put on the wall. It's about, okay, what type of properties should I be buying moving forward? Should I be buying houses? Should I be buying apartments? Should I be buying those properties in the inner city location, the metro suburbs, the outer metro? Maybe I should buy in the regional suburbs you know, am I going to be a buy and flip renovator where you sell straight away? Or should I be a buy, renovate and rent renovator where I hold on and potentially get not only a profit in the renovation, but also long-term capital growth as well? Um, And it's also about being very strategic about the type of property that you buy. So what price points, like, you know, if if you're starting with less than a hundred grand, you're not going to be, you know, renovating in the ritzy suburbs. You're going to be forced to go to the outer metro or the regional suburbs. So you've got to be realistic with your starting equity and what that buys you. And I think the biggest thing is a lot of a lot of people across the country, they buy in um, suburbs that are convenient to them. For example, you know, I tell my students, I say, if an unrenovated house comes up across the road from where you live, don't instantly jump on it because if that suburb's not going to give you good capital growth moving forward, it'll you'll you'll you might be able to buy that property, but you'll never get past property number two or three or four. When you do due diligence, so it's sort of called due diligence, it's yeah. sort of like a technical term. Um, and due diligence for me encompasses three things: it's suburb due diligence, property due diligence, and pricing due diligence. And even within those segments, you've got sub segments under property due diligence. 
you've got things like physical due diligence, location due diligence, regulatory due diligence. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a lot of Environmental due diligence. You've, got to, you've certainly got to be diligent with, with your work. <laughs> I love the pun. <laughs> um, but, you know, for example, when I every time I buy a property, and I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but I have a checklist of 64 things that I always check on a property before I buy. And so if I check all those 64 things and I'm going through that checklist and 30 of them are duds, I'm walking away. I'm yeah. not getting emotional and that's the problem. A lot of people, they mm. most people think that in Australia you only have to do three or four due diligence, um, due diligence checks. One, building inspection. Two, pest inspection. Three, confirm their finance. And these days people, they might go to council and, and say, hey, what are the planning laws? More savvy people will do, you know, asbestos inspection, but there's like another 60 things that you should be doing to make sure that property is truly a diamond property, not a dud. I know that across the country, you know, Australia is full of thousands and thousands, like hundreds of thousands of unrenovated properties and, you know, a good chunk of those are duds. Wow. So just because a house or an apartment's unrenovated doesn't mean it's a good one to buy. I think I need your checklist. <laughs> <laughs> the whole of Australia well, that's a, does. <laughs> that's a state secret, I imagine. And this is what I did with with the 124 projects that I've renovated. Um, what I did is every time I came across something, I, about 10 years into my journey of renovating, I started to get really smart. Like it took me 10 years of stuff-ups. First 10 years were stuff-ups, doing things the wrong way, rework, you name it. And then 10 years later, I literally got a lot smarter about what I did and I started documenting things because you, you can't rely always on your memory. No. And so every time I came across something, I kept adding to the checklist mm -hmm. to make sure I never forgot to re you know, to check it on the next property deal. And that's how today, so my due diligence checklist is a 20-year labour of love. And I tell you what, if you follow my, my checklist, you'll never buy a dud property ever again. So your students, they get the checklist? They do. I'm going to become one they of your do. students <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> maybe today. <laughs> Sheree, when you're eyeing off uh, a potential house that you're looking at, what, what are your key considerations? If you're looking at purely cosmetic renovation, which most of Australians start with cosmetics, not a structural, yeah. um, essentially if I had to summarise it in, the, in high level stuff, I'd say buying a property that has good bones. So don't, you know, if you're a, a newbie renovator, yeah. don't go and buy the house or the apartment that has a sign at the front door that says enter at your own yeah. risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leave that one for me yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. as an experienced <laughs> renovator. So we know that there's lots of, you know, properties around what you're essentially looking for is property with good bones where, you know, it's perfectly livable. It's got good bones. The years have rolled by and nobody has seen a need to update those properties or not had the money to update them or not had the knowledge. And there's so many of those around. It's incredible. Yeah. Like I'm going to say one fact and I know nobody will date me, you know, debate me on it. Australia's full of ugly houses. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's, so these little diamonds sit in every suburb, every street, every suburb. You've just got to know, you know, you, you know, you need to, you know, go, okay, is this truly a good property or not? Um, and then making sure there's enough scope of work. So you can't go into a property, for example, cosmetic renovations work on properties better at a certain age. Um, I see renovators, inexperienced renovators, they might buy a property, um, you know, that was built in the year two, early 2000s. Yeah. And for the most part, they're still okay. You know, you can't just go into a property and paint it and expect to get a thirty, forty thousand yeah, yeah. $40,000 uplift in value. So there's got to be enough work there that you can transform it and make it a radically different looking property because buyers are not stupid. 
with tools that we have, like people on the internet these days, they can see what you bought the property for three months ago. They can see the real estate pictures from three months ago. If you've only slapped on a pane of coat, they're going to go, well, yeah, I might give you a couple of extra thousand dollars for that, but I'm not going to give you a $40,000 increase. So for the most part, they've got to be original still. I have to say I'm a big fan of houses that were built in the 60s and the 70s. because I think, Yeah, because <laughs> I think they've they've got the space yes. and they were solidly constructed at the time, or I believe they were. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, they're looking that little bit dated. There's not that much to do structurally, but you can do a heck of a lot in terms of cosmetics, can't you? Yep. So you've just sort of tapped into part of my formulas. So that's good. 10 out of 10. (laughs) Um, But, you know, once you start getting properties um, from the 1950s and earlier, as you really start heading into structural renovation territory because of the age of the properties, you know, it's like, it's like humans. Um, You know, we get older and things fall apart, you know, if we're being truthful and houses and, and apartments are exactly the same way. So you've got to make sure you buy in the right time periods, the right construction dates. Mm-hmm. So some buildings are, are structural territory according to their build date, some are cosmetic territory according to their build date. So what are the top changes people can make if they're actually sell, uh, sorry, buying a house to sell for a profit? Well, let's start with the in- internal. So for me, there's five. There's lots of changes you can make to a property yep. and you've got to make sure that you're always spending an appropriate budget according to the property value. So my general rule of thumb, if you're doing a cosmetic renovation is 10% of the property value. So if I just break that down, say for example, if somebody bought a $600,000 unrenovated house and it was a cosmetic renovation, um, again, some suburbs are cosmetic, some are structural territory, um, 10% of 600000 is $60,000. So that's your cosmetic renovation budget to transform that whole property inside and out, worst case scenario. Now, you shouldn't spend, if you spend more than 10%, then you risk overcapitalizing, and that's the dirty word in renovating. So if you're doing a structural, it's a lot more, but you've got to be able to justify the higher resale values. But, but say 10% of it, say, given your example, 60 grand. Yeah. It's not a lot of money really, is it, when you come down to things? Have you got to be prepared to get your hands dirty? No, actually no. no. Like you'd be surprising how far you can make a 60 grand. Like I renovate at the moment whole houses for thirty four. Thirty to forty thousand dollars. Now, right. I'm not ripping out whole kitchens, and I'm not ripping out whole bathrooms, and that's the key. So, I'll, I'll break it down. For example, let's say you know housing affordability is pushing people a lot further out from the city locations. Um, that's a reality. So, lots of people who are buying in regional areas. Now, let's say, for example, you had a let's say you bought an unrenovated house for three hundred and fifty thousand. Technically, you shouldn't be spending more than ten percent, which means your your cosmetic renovation budget's thirty five thousand. Might have an old dated kitchen, an old dated bathroom, old flooring, you know, paint might be pastel colours. So what you've got to do is you've got to make sure that you don't spend more than that 10%. So what it'll do, it'll force you to work out what can you keep, what can you salvage, and what's so bad it has to go. So for example, if I'm renovating a regional property, I won't instantly rip out the kitchen, I won't rip out the bathroom. I'll I'll be doing cosmetic refreshes to the kitchen and bathroom. So for example, I I do, you know, quite often on TV, I do makeover whole kitchens for $2,000 or $3,000 where they look like a brand new kitchen, but they've just been cosmetically refreshed. So when you say um, cosmetically refreshed kitchens, are you talking about painting them, spray painting them? Are you talking about just changing the bench top, maybe um, melamine? Um, bench top yep. as opposed to 
Caesar Stone, Stone or something all of those like that. Things. So yeah. on a on a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar house, there's absolutely no way you're putting Caesar Stone bench no, tops. No, like no, mass no. overkill. Yeah. And so yeah, for me it'll be it'll be all of those things. It'll be um, things like tile painting, laminate painting, or if the carcasses of the kitchen are in really great condition, what I'll do is I'll take the old doors off, get new, new doors, doors made. Yep. That's mm-hmm. a couple of thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might swap over the bench tops. So what I'll do is I'll either do some or a combination of little things, changing the handles. You know the bathrooms. You don't need to rip out the bathrooms. If you rip it out, you have got to put it all back together again, and that could co- that cost is- you fifteen grand. So you know we have wonderful products in Australia like tile paint. And so some people go oh, tile paint, but like tile paint is really good if you know how to use it right. So yeah. if you educate yourself on how to use these products, you can get a radically look a different looking bathroom for under two grand. And what it will do on it, particularly if that property is a rental property. Um, it extend they, like they're not forever products, but what they'll do is they'll extend your bathroom by another five to ten years and then rip it out. So it's about extending the life of these rooms when you don't necessarily have the budget. Well, thank you so much, Cherie, for coming in. I think we've learned heaps. Don't oh, you think, yeah. I've, I've learned a lot myself. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to do it, but I'll give. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I might give it a crack. You never know. Yeah, I was going to say, don't quit your jobs and become renovators today. <laughs> no, no. No, but well, I am. Just, the sideline. I, yeah, I think I am going to become one of your students, though. Oh, Maybe when I retire you. I'll become a um, property flipper myself. Anyway, thank you very much, Cherie. We really enjoyed today. Tell our um, audience how they can find you. Well, if um, people want to head to my website, which is renovatingforprofit.com.au, we have lots of great articles and blog articles, so they can definitely start their education there. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Better Real Estate. I really hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another episode. Now, if you're really enjoying our show, please do us a favour, rate, review and subscribe. This will make it easier for other property lovers to find our podcast. Thanks. Thanks.